Hello, free thinkers. I'm Mickey Z, and I welcome you to Post Woke, the New York City-based podcast where we practice intellectual self-defense. The dominant culture keeps us inactive while our biology desires movement. The dominant culture sells us junk food while our bodies crave nutrients. The dominant culture denies our biology and puts us out of balance with nature. The dominant culture trains us to be obedient while our minds yearn for freedom. The dominant culture teaches conformity while our souls demand individuality. Yes, once again, the opening tease was none other than yours truly. This is going to be a brief solo podcast, episode 96, and I will get to the heart of it right after this word from our sponsor. Hey, Mickey Z here. And as many of you already know, for nearly seven years, I've been running a one-man program to help homeless women on the streets of New York. And you could check the show notes for a link that explains it in more detail. Um, I am also looking to expand this program, and I'm starting to do that in small steps now. And I want to help more people in bigger ways in addition to the homeless women. And basically, to put it simply, I want to try and facilitate miracles on the streets. And I'm there is another link in the show notes that you can check out to learn a little bit more about that. So I'm going to just leave you guys to... Click on those links, learn more, and follow your heart because I need your financial support and I need you to share the links in order to keep this going and growing. So I thank you in advance and let's get back to the show. So is your cell phone melting your mind? Well, there are the obvious transparent questions about all that electromagnetic radiation being pumped directly into our craniums. But I also can't help but wonder when we all became so important and meaningful that we needed cell phones. I mean, just two decades ago, we would miss phone calls and remain incommunicado when, for example, we boarded a subway train and our lives just went on. Today, we can be tracked down anywhere on the planet in a matter of seconds and our lives haven't gotten any easier or any more fulfilling. Now, speaking of two decades ago, the time period was roughly early in the year 2000. I remember I was walking through Manhattan with three friends on our way to meet a fifth member of our party for something that was, it was, it was like a pseudo bachelor party, just a group of guys hanging out because one of them was getting married soon. Now, this was well before cell phones became completely ensconced and pervasive. But even so, I was the only one in our little group who didn't have one. I sarcastically commented on this and was promptly mocked as a Luddite. Then it was on to the essential business of figuring out how we were going to meet up with friend number five. Out came a cell phone. A call was placed to another cell phone. A meeting place was agreed upon, and we were on our way. Sounds familiar now, but back then, friend number one hung up and, and turned to me saying, this was one of those times when a cell phone was indispensable, to which I replied, 
if we didn't have access to your cell phone or, or any cell phone at all, we would have simply agreed in advance to be more creative to come up with a plan that would have gotten us all together without a major hassle. Instead, the phone made us intellectually lazy because we knew we could just wing it. Instead of problem solving, we opted for reliance on, on consumer electronics. Now, for the record, I can tell you that let's say it was the late 90s and I was in the city looking to meet someone and we didn't have cell phones. Um, in advance, we would agree to some plan like this. Let's say I got to the meeting spot, but my friend wasn't there. Now, I would have given the friend directions th that if they were running late, they would just call my home number, a landline, and leave a message on my answering machine. I would then go to a payphone in the city, pop a quarter in, call my own number, type in my code, and hear my messages. That friend would say, hey, I'm running five minutes late. Stay where you are. I'm on my way. And it's not very complicated. And in the time before we had payphones, excuse me, cell phones, none of us ever said, boy, I wish we had a portable phone in our pocket right now. It was just part of hanging out and part of just a normal part of life. But in our modern society, air quotes on modern, we no longer have to learn how to spell or how to remember phone numbers or do math in our head or memorize directions or even walk up a single flight of stairs. Thanks to the marvels of industrial civilization, we happily delegate such tedious tasks to technology so we can have more time to focus on the truly important stuff like, um, I don't know, viral TikTok videos. You see, we each possess a physiology that evolved to negotiate the Stone Age. Unfortunately, we live in the digital age. And there's the rub. We are urban cavemen overmatched in our daily battle to navigate an artificial reality because we have lost contact with our instincts. Really, think about this. Pediatricians today report seeing fewer kids with broken bones from climbing trees or, or doing some physical activity, but they see more children with longer lasting repetitive stress injuries, which are related to playing video games or typing at keyboards. Richard Louvre, the author of a book called The Last Child in the Woods, deemed this the nature deficit disorder. As a fourth grader quoted in that book explains, I like to play indoors better because that's where all the electrical outlets are. Nature deficit disorder is obviously not a medical term. It's more of a social trend, a trend that manifests in factoids like this. American children between the ages of 8 and 18 spend an average of 6.5 hours a day indoors using computers, video games, televisions, and yes, smartphones. The payoff for all this spectatorship is a lifestyle based on imitation, competition, materialism, self-delusion, and subservience to power. The dominant culture keeps us inactive while our biology desires movement. It sells us junk food while our bodies crave nutrients. It denies our biology and puts us out of balance with nature. It trains us to be obedient while our minds yearn for freedom. The dominant culture teaches conformity while our souls demand individuality. We did not evolve to experience artificial light after sundown, eat processed, refined, and genetically modified foods, 
food products, I should say, ingest chemicals or pharmaceuticals, drive cars, travel in an airplane across time zones, become obese, remain sedentary, usurp our immune system with vaccines, exist on a man-made schedule, be surrounded by copious amounts of human-induced electromagnetic radiation, climb giant mountains, go underwater, give birth lying down, live in a world devoid of topsoil and nutrient-rich food, smoke cigarettes, be exposed to pesticides, use cosmetics, exist without community, or manage the high level of stress and noise that is synonymous with our so-called progress. Koyana Skatsi, this is what the Koji Indians of Colombia call life out of balance. It is what we have created as our culture, a culture that has quickly screwed up the entire planet, so much so that the elusive Koji have issued multiple warnings to us, their figurative younger brothers. Life on Earth is out of balance. Banks, corporations, politicians, judges, cops, soldiers, etc., they can't fix this. In fact, most of them can't even perceive the imbalance. Most of them believe they are happy with the status quo. In other words, the change has to come from somewhere else. The change will come from somewhere else. Of that, we can be sure. Details of the outcome, however, are far less certain. The aforementioned Koji have no written language. In part, this is to assure they remember. They talk, they pass down stories, and they remember. I'd like to share something that I read a while back about the Koji. It it explained that they attach great importance to the concept of memory. By memory, we mean the memory of events with which the community has been confronted, the memory of social regulations within the group, and so on. Memory, the Koji say, is like eyes which were made to see. If they close, everything becomes darkness. For the Koji, this memory cannot be written down. It must be spoken, passed down by members of the group. In writing, memories are separated from the people and lose their effectiveness. So, as I wrap up this opening section, I ask you, what memories are you creating and what are you doing to ensure there will be someone left to appreciate and share them? If it's change you seek, speak it into existence. Also, find like-minded souls to help work it into existence. I'll be back with some closing thoughts after one more word from our sponsor. Hey, Mickey Z here. I trust you're enjoying this episode, but I wanted to take a quick break to request that you seriously consider becoming a paid subscriber to Post Woke, because Post Woke is more than this podcast, which is a weekly podcast with crucial, important conversations with crucial and important guests. Post Woke is also a Substack on which I post on a daily basis. I'm talking about written posts. And I, first and foremost, I am a writer. I have 12 books out and I have been writing for many decades. And so you're getting quality content at least once a day, all for $5 a month. And no matter what you decide, you can become a free subscriber if you choose. I ask you to please share the link and spread the word. And while you're at it, 
check the show notes for information on how to order the post-woke t-shirt. It is a completely cool kick-ass shirt and you could show the world what your favorite podcast and Substack is. So I thank you in advance for your support. Again, I urge you to spread the word and let's get back to the show. Now I'm going to wrap up with a related but different perspective on the concept of smartphones and nature. And it has to do with a bird that I often see here in New York City. And I'll tell you one specific example. I was walking through my neighborhood when I heard a really unusually beautiful and astonishingly complex bird call. And so I looked to my left and I wasn't surprised to see that it was a European starling that was perched nearby, its throat vibrating as it sang its tiny heart out. I stopped to appreciate its efforts, but no one near me seemed to notice. Now, there were several people within listening distance of the starling, but they gave no indication that they were even aware of its existence. After a beat, the all-too-familiar sound of a Facebook Messenger notification pinged into the air, and all those people jumped to attention, instantly reaching for their phone to see if the message was for them. Now, in New York City, starlings are, I don't know if this is um, uh, numerically accurate, but empirically, they're the birds that I see the most along with pigeons and sparrows. But every single European starling all across North America is descended from 100 birds released into New York Central Park in the early 1890s because there was a group that for some reason was dedicated to introducing America to all the birds mentioned in Shakespeare's works. So the, the starlings were set free and now all these years later there are some 200 million European starlings across much of North America. And the U.S. Department of Agriculture has named them to be an invasive species. They say they um, compete with native species, destroy crops, that their feces can cause the corrosion of stone, metal, and masonry, and overall they are labeled a health risk. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd like to live in a world where a resilient mimic of a bird is valued more than stone, metal, masonry, and notifications. And I'd really like social media and smartphone culture, contrary to what your newsfeed tells you, to be identified as what is invasive and a health risk. If you don't want your smartphone to melt your mind, a good start is to keep your guard up. <laughs>